0: welcome to adjusted reality a podcast series trusted by the adjusted and brought to you by the foundation for chiropractic progress where we learn from athletes celebrities influencers and healthcare professionals about how to optimize health in a fun relatable way join me dr sherry mcallister as i speak with mike matthews the founder and ceo of Legion Athletics about health and wellness for all ages. We'll take an in depth look into his latest best selling book, Muscles for Life Get Lean, Strong, and Healthy at Any Age. Mike Matthews is the author of a number of books, including a book for women Thinner, Leaner, Stronger and a flexible dieting cookbook called The Shredded Chef, and a deep dive into the science and art of motivation, the little black book of workout motivation. Altogether, his books have sold over a million copies, and his work has been featured in a number of publications like Women's Health, Muscle and Strength, L Esquire, Men's Health, and many more. In his newest fitness book, Muscle for Life, Get Lean, Strong, and Healthy at Any Age, he explores his science-based, doctor-approved formula for eating, exercising, and recovering that makes losing fat and building lean muscle a breeze for anyone at any age. Welcome to the podcast, Mike.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: It's so exciting to have someone like you that has really dived into so much of the art and science in building that body that you love so much. But let's just take a step back for a moment. You've launched over eight books. That's surreal. Tell me, how does that feel?
1: Um, I don't think about it very much. I'm always on to the next one and excited to get the next one done. But it uh, reading and writing is still the, that's the work that I enjoy the most. I don't get to do as much of it these days as I would like to, or as I did earlier on, because, um, a fair amount of my time goes into running Legion and I'm involved in a lot of the marketing stuff for Legion. Um, but a part of me would, would like to do nothing but just research and, and write. So, um, it's, 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 it's satisfying. It's 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 very it's very emotionally satisfying to hear from people who reach out. They say, "Hey, I read your book, and I did what you said, and I'm down 30 pounds, and I've gained strength and muscle definition. I feel so much better." And so that that to me is uh, is it's more it's more of a payoff actually at this point than. Um, just growing my my other businesses more. And it helps me stay connected to my to my why, so to speak, you know?
0: I love it. You know, there's a famous saying, and it's the key to happiness is to engage yourself in a cause bigger than yourself. And Mike, I think you just nailed it on that one is you're into changing lives and you're also into exploring the best way to change lives. Cause as you know, And I read in your book, there's a lot of hucksters out there that want to sell you X, Y, and Z, and it'll cause A, B, and C symptoms. And unfortunate, sometimes these are very serious adverse events, but I want to take you back for just a second. You probably weren't this passionate in your teens, or maybe you were. Let's go back in time. Tell me how you ended up starting in this personal health and wellness journey.
1: Well, I, uh, I played sports as a kid, I played baseball. Then I got into hockey, played a lot of hockey. And when I was done playing hockey, I wanted to keep doing something. I wanted to keep staying active. And so I was 17 and I was thinking, what should I do? And I was like, well, I like girls and girls like muscles. So I'll just do that. I was 17. Right. So I got some friends. We bought some bodybuilding magazines and started to do that. And, and then I came, I, li- I came to, to discover that I liked strength training in its own right. I liked not only what it did for my body composition, but I liked how it made me feel. And I noticed, um, mental benefits and, and other physical benefits beyond just having muscles and being stronger things that weren't, uh, immediately obvious to me going into it. And so I stuck with it and, um. And then, and then in 2012, so if we fast forward a bit, I was on the other end of a pretty good personal transformation. I went from being kind of fit and kind of athletic. I'd been lifting weights for a while, so I had gained some muscle, but I didn't really know what I was doing. and fortunately, I didn't think that I really knew what I was doing. I just didn't care to really apply myself to it and uh, get the most out of the time I was putting into my workouts. I was just Um, just kind of going through the motions, but it was also fun because it was a social activity. So it was me and my best friend, we'd work out together and hang out. And I was, I wasn't so concerned with maximizing the results, but eventually I was like, all right, if I'm going to put the time into it, I might as well see if I can get more out of this. And so I started to educate myself and change the way I was eating and exercising. And so I went from looking kind of in shape to looking very in shape. And I had, I had a, a bit of a story that I could tell because I had tried many things that hadn't worked and then I found stuff that did work and then I started uh, using it with other people who were asking for help and I saw that it, these, these principles worked, uh, they, they, were, they were repeatable, right? So there was the, the science of, um, say, dieting, the, the real scientific fundamentals, They work in me just as they work in you and just as they can work in anyone listening. And so a buddy of mine uh, who I was working out with at the time, he was like, because at this point I, I was looking pretty good and my body was, and he was like, dude, you should just take your shirt off on YouTube and just go sell stuff. And and I, I just eh, that doesn't uh, that doesn't inspire me. I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not excited at the prospect of doing that. But I was interested in writing a book, and at that time, uh, Amazon's KDP, their self-publishing platform, was getting a lot of media attention because there was a guy named John Locke, definitely a pen name, but that that's his that's his pseudonym at least, and he was the first guy. On their self-publishing platform to sell a million books. And he had had a story as well. He had uh, made a bunch of money in the insurance industry. He had sold a couple of businesses, didn't have to work for money anymore. And he'd always wanted to write fiction. So he just started to do that. And it went well for him. He sold a million books. Amazon made kind of a PR caper out of it because it was a cool story. And I heard about that. And I was like, okay, that's something that Uh, is just interesting to me. I don't know if it's going to go anywhere, but I'm more motivated to do that than try to build a YouTube channel with me shirtless selling things. And um, so that was 2012. I wrote this book, Bigger, Leaner, Stronger, which really was just the book that I wished somebody would have given me back when I was 17 and said, hey, out of all the stuff that you can learn Right, there's 20% that's going to produce 80% of the results. This is that 20%. Um, In fact, unless you want to squeeze every last ounce of muscle and strength out of your genetic potential, this really is probably all you need. You probably don't need to know anything else. If you wanna know other things, you can, but if we're just talking about bottom line results, this alone will get you to where you wanna go. And so that was bigger, leaner, stronger. Published it, uh, self-published it in 2012, and I thought there was maybe a 50 50 chance between selling zero copies and not zero copies. I, I had no idea though <laughs> what to expect beyond that, and uh, it was just a nights and weekends thing, like a sideline that that I was uh, uh, doing. For, for fun, minimum viable product approach, maybe 40, 50,000 words, mostly steak, not much sizzle. So I wasn't trying to uh, spend half the book hyping you up and selling you on different things. It was just kind of, let's just get right to the point, a little bit of salesmanship in the beginning to try to motivate people to read the book. And then let's just get right into it. Here are some common myths. Here are things that many men who are into strength training believe that are not true here, here, uh, here, what it, here are the things that, um, on the dietary side, here are some common myths. And so by the end of 2012, that book was selling several thousand copies per month. And I was getting a lot of emails from readers. I had put an email address in the book who were asking questions and making good suggestions. And so I saw there was an opportunity to do more. So I had a lot of women reaching out, who had read the book and were asking if they should follow it. They don't want to be bigger, but the leaner and the leaner, stronger part, that's cool. And so that's how thinner, leaner, stronger came about because I had a, a, canned response, kind of a long canned response that I would send to women to help them modify what was in the book, uh, to, to fit their needs. But I, when I thought about it, I was like, you know, I could take this book and, reconstruct it for women, all of the examples for women. There's stuff in the book that is really just relevant to men, take that out, replace it with stuff that would be just relevant to women, change all the training programs to better reflect women's goals versus men's goals and so on. And so that's how the women's book came about. And um, so, so I continued to write books and I eventually launched a blog in 2013 called muscle for life, just muscle for life.com. And at that time it was, it was fairly easy uh, to, to rank at least compared to now in, in Google. And so by the end of 2013, that website was getting about 700,000 visits a month, mostly from Google. And, um, and so I just kept on going and, and then Legion came in 2014 and, um, we don't have to get into the details of that unless you want to, but that's that's the not so short uh, kind of summary of how I got into this.
0: I, I want our audience to reflect on two things that you said. Number one, this was a passion that you turned into a purpose and you started not to be the huckster to say, here's here's all the things that you need to buy. Here's all the things you need to do to be as, as fit and, and um, lean and, and really... Uh, bigger, stronger, and I, 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 find some fun in it. As I have a seventeen-year-old who is working out right now, and I think that this podcast will hit our teenagers well. Is this is the this is the podcast that you'd hoped you could have had when you were seventeen True. to say science matters, and there's a lot of people out there that's that are really going to tell you almost the opposite of what science really does. And I'm reflecting back, the second part from our audience is that it became a journey. And one of the things with adjusted reality is you might have an idea, but that idea becomes a journey as you allow it to explore and engage and and prosper over time. And you did that and you did it really effectively. I want to ask you going back in your healthcare journey is you're working out. And uh, most chiropractors love balance and strength and they try to get any age out there just getting really comfortable with movement, stability, mobility, balance, flexibility. Was there a time when you were working out that you thought or had ideas of of what would happen if I got injured and and what would I do if I got injured. Let's just back up there because every bodybuilder has an opportunity as I shared with Mike for everyone on this call, my son, older son, taking the bar, the weight off the bar and the experiences you get when you don't expect that the bar is going to smack your right side up in the face. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about- That's how you learned the
1: the two plate rule as we call it. (laughs) (laughs) If you have more than two plates on one side, then you can't completely unload the other side.
0: That's right. So everybody here, do not do what my son did because it it has a major impact in your life and you will never do it again. So, but let's go back to your 17 and were you injured? Were you, did you find yourself constantly thinking, I'm not sure if I should do this um, or I'm pushing so hard that I might break something?
1: No, not at that time, Um, but I I experienced that later because later, I actually, even though my workouts got shorter, they got more intense, which which is correct. When I was younger, I would be in the gym for two hours. Again, it was also kind of social time. So hanging out with friends didn't have to be two hours, but I would say probably at least an hour and a half of that was training and doing um, all different types of what I thought were kind of sophisticated training techniques like drop sets. And giant sets and supersets and a lot of training, right? But not a lot of weight. And I wasn't doing, I was doing a lot of isolation exercises, a lot of exercises for just specific muscle groups. So like, Oh, I'm going to do a bunch of shoulder raises, and then I'm going to do a bunch of uh, biceps curls. Then I'm gonna do a bunch of um, quadriceps, like you know, leg extensions or leg curls. I was not, though, doing much in the way of squatting. I was doing no deadlifting at all, no hip hinging really at all, like no uh, rack pulls or any sort of deadlift alternative. I was bench pressing here and there, I wasn't doing much in the way of overhead barbell pressing. So, um, it it is hard to get hurt. If all you do are machines, especially in light, lighter weights and isolation exercises, you can get hurt. You can overdo it. Um, but where injuries tend to occur at least with strength training is with compound exercises. So exercises training multiple muscle groups at the same time, which are more effective because they are training more muscle mass, but you got to make sure, you know, what you you're doing. They're not dangerous per se, but they can be, if you don't know what you're doing and if you are trying to lift more weight than you can handle. And so if we fast forward a little, a little bit, um, I, there are only two injuries that are really worth mentioning. Um, I've had some repetitive stress stuff, like, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, my shoulder was bothering me a little bit because my lat it's a combination of lat subscap and infraspinatus when those muscles get too tight. Um, and this is, this is not unique to me. This is common in, in weightlifters in particular, if those muscles get too tight, it can, it can make your shoulder, uh, feel not so great, especially with, with bench pressing. Right. And the solution is you have to I mean, for me, at least, is um, there are a couple of trigger points that I just have to work on. I can see a massage therapist or I can get a crossball and just beat myself up. But I have to uh, work through a couple of trigger points and help those muscles settle down a little bit, and then my shoulder no longer bothers me. So that's not really an injury. That's just right. uh, i would I would say part and parcel of working out regularly, just as anybody who's played a lot of competitive sports knows that, Usually, something hurts at least a little bit. <laughs> it's it's rare that everything just feels great uh, all of the time, right? And even for extended periods of time, there, there's always something that you, you you know bothers you a little bit, and you have to ice after or whatever. Um, however, I, I hurt my SI joint deadlifting, and that was uh, that was a it was a technique mistake. Well, it was a combination of two things: technique m- a mistake, which was. Um, at the top when I was holding, so a deadlift for people listening, if you don't know what that is, you have weight on a barbell, it's on the ground and you essentially are bending down um, and picking it up. Now there, there is more to doing that properly, but essentially that's what you're doing. You're kind of squatting down to the weight. You're in a low position and you're standing up with, with uh, the barbell in your hands. And so I had a lot of weight on the bar. It was probably about 430 pounds or so and uh, I was at the top of a rep so I'm standing now and I let tension out of my core so I just uh, that that's one of the one of the uh, I would say key components of proper technique with an exercise like a barbell squat or a barbell deadlift or a, a barbell overhead press is you want to have a lot of intra, abdominal pressure. You want to have a lot of core pressure and how you generate that is um, you take a breath into your diaphragm and then you brace your core as if you are about to get punched. That's a, that's a good cue. That's how it should feel. You don't just want to take a big, deep breath of air into your stomach and just push your stomach out. Some people do that. That does not work. What works is breathing into your diaphragm and then Uh, Again, tensing up all of your core muscles as if you're about to get punched and that then helps you maintain um, proper posture. And so what you don't want to do is what I did at the top of a, a heavy deadlift, let that core pressure out because then things can move that are not supposed to move and you don't, you're not stable anymore. And so I felt my hip kind of shift in a way. I was like, that's not good. And, um, and it hurt for a couple of weeks. And then it was actually a, a recurring issue that only fully resolved when I found out that talking about flexibility and just mobility that my hips were very imbalanced in, in terms of internal and external rotation. So what I discovered, and this is actually in the scientific literature, I just had never come across it, that um, if if you have limited internal rotation that puts you at a higher risk for an SI joint injury, especially in athletic activities. And so what I found is that on my left side, which is what what I hurt, my internal rotation was really bad. My external rotation was, was quite good, almost hypermobile. And then my internal rotation was, was not very good. And then on my right side, it was the opposite. My internal rotation, fine. My external rotation, not so good. And so what I started doing is, little daily stretches um, and and I would work on improving my internal rotation on my left side, my external rotation on my right side. and it took it took several months to get them to uh, a point of uh, I would say balance. Uh, it, it, it was after three months or so I, I, would, I don't think they were in the same place, but it, it was not such an imbalance anymore. And that's something that I have kept in, that was years ago when I learned about that. And so for for years, once, once I found out what the problem was and, um, and then started addressing it, that was the end of my SI joint issues. And then ironically, so I lived in Virginia and so what I would do is like from, for internal rotation, I, I had a, an infrared sauna and I would go into it every morning and I would read. And so I was, I would sit on the bench in a way that would allow me to really get into internal rotation um, on my left side. And so eight months ago, I sold that house. Now I'm in Florida. And I did not, I don't have the infrared sauna. And so I still read in the morning, but I would just sit in a chair and read. And so I stopped doing my, my little internal rotation stretches every day. And, uh, just a two weeks ago or so it, it wasn't, it wasn't to the degree that it was in the original injury, but I felt it for the first time in years where I was mm-hmm. like, uh, uh that, I haven't felt that in a while.
0: Mike, I really like that. You shared that with us because that was your true adjusted reality. The reality was you understand the functional balance that happens in the body and why so many of us really do get injured is our balance is off. It's not recognized a coach or a chiropractor or someone who's taking care of you, looks at you with functional movement assessment and says, let's start with the basics. And posture becomes such an incredible aspect. And even when you decided to sell that house, the body came back and said, you know what, Mike? That was really important because it led the right to be able to maximize the left. And when you did that movement and you balanced out the the, um, opportunity for the sacroiliac joint is the SI joint for those listening in, and that is really the lower part of your lower back. And it's it's, um, on either side. And it tends to be much more likely to be injured for women because of the fact that their pelvic bowl is a little bit bigger than men. But with men, it is exactly described as Mike said, it is, it's really core strength. And I I appreciate how you let the audience know, how do you really stabilize the core? Because you see a lot of probably have to shut your eyes sometimes when you walk through the gym and say, Oh no, (laughs) that's an injury waiting to happen.
1: I, I, I I usually don't say anything, but I I can say happily that a month or so ago, there was uh, a woman, she's probably in her sixties. And so she, if it's, if it's one of the big, you know, meathead bodybuilder guys. Okay. I mean, they, they don't want, to, to be bothered anyway, right? They're going to do what they're going to do, but this woman um, was in her 60s and in fairly good shape, and she she asked me to spot her on the leg press, which is unusual, right? Like a leg press, you, you don't usually ask for a spot, and she had 10 plates loaded on it, and this is a smaller woman, uh, and and 10 plates is is what I would use, and I would probably be doing sets of like six, maybe with that much weight. Right. And, and so I asked her, I was like, well, what do you plan on doing here? Like what, what, what's about to happen. Right. And, and so somebody had told her that the correct way to train is to use a lot of weight and very little range of motion, that that's the best way to train. And I was uh, like, Hmm, um, that that's, uh, that that's not how I would recommend, uh, you train. In fact, I would, I would recommend the opposite. Uh, and you know, I'd recommend for example, that we go down to maybe two plates, one on either side and here, let me show you what a full range of motion looks like. And let me explain quickly why that is, is more effective and it's safer. You don't, you don't want to be loading a bunch of weight onto a machine that your muscles can't handle that are going to overload your joints. And, um, she listened to me though, and went down to two plates and I think she did maybe 10 or 12 reps, proper reps. And, and then that was about all she could do. And so, um, you, you could imagine how the, the 10 plates was going to go.
0: <laughs> oh, you're absolutely right. And it's getting this improper information out of And she had pets. got it from big
1: bodybuilders that oh, yes. I forget which gym, there was a gym she went to. And, um, there she, she said, I think she's from Hawaii and she used to go to a gym with all the bodybuilders and this is what they taught her. And she thought like, Hey, these guys are all big and strong. This is, this is what, uh, you know, the, the leader of the little pack, uh, said right. to do. So I guess I'll do that.
0: It's, it's oftentimes a mental game too. You hear what people are doing and like you said, most of those that are really into bodybuilding, they're on their path. They, they think what they think. And I like to say, keep your mind open, ask the why. The correct why questions are actually gonna put you in a place where you can prosper. And kudos to that 60 year old lady for asking you to help her because she learned something very valuable, which is she doesn't know all the answers and body frames matter. And speaking of body frames, I I think back to the first couple of chapters in your book is what does your, what do you want your body to look like? You know, that's an interesting question because it took me almost 30 minutes to go through some of the images of what do I really want to look like when I get to that peak of, I've made I made my body what I wanted it to be, the dream body. It might be more interesting for the audience to look at it and say, what what do you really want your body to look like in the the mental aspect? Because when you start to visualize that question, the opportunities, because some people want really buffed and really just cut. Others just want to be really fit. They just want to look like they've got it together. They're flexible, they're balanced, they're enjoying life. It really is dependent on you. Um, There's a lot of mental parts to working out. And I want to ask you in your book, you talk about conquering the mental game of fitness. Can you explain to us what that actually means? What's the mental game of fitness?
1: Yeah. So we have outer game is kind of the stuff we've been discussing right there's exercise technique that's outer game and talking about the importance of energy balance you know calories in and calories out and understanding macronutrients protein carbohydrates fat those are all outer game and a lot of people that's what they focus on is is the outer game but and, and this is just cribbed from uh galloway's inner game of tennis right there's an inner game to to fitness into any activity and those are the internal obstacles and the attitudes and the motivations that we have to get right as well and i would say that we we if we don't get those things right then no amount of outer game information or advice is going to help us so for example there's a lot of there's a lot of focus in the in the fitness space on what is most effective what diets and what training routines are most effective? What are most scientifically optimal? And there's not much, um, not much focus put on what is going to work best for you. What are you going to be able to stick to? What do you enjoy? What are you drawn toward? What are you, uh, repelled from. And so now we're talking more about an inner game thing. And I I think that it, it probably should be the other way around that more emphasis should be put on finding something that you are going to enjoy, finding something that you can stick to because in the end, consistency is, is the key, not perfection. Perfection isn't, isn't possible, but All you have to do is figure out how can you do most of the right things, mostly right most of the time. You don't have to do them perfectly all of the time, but you do have to get in most of your workouts. You do have to follow some sort of meal plan that fits your goals most of the time. And how much you enjoy the foods you're eating, how much you enjoy the training that you're doing, also talk about the inner game of of how we want to look, well, we also have to balance that with the, the price we're willing to pay. And many people on social media, they won't talk about this. They will show off their body and their body might look outstanding, but what they won't tell you is for example, that they weigh or they track everything they eat because they have to, they have to be very tight with their calories. They drink no alcohol. They don't eat out there, or they eat out rarely, or they eat before they go to meet friends. And then they don't really eat at the restaurants again to control their calories. And they exercise 10 hours a week. And and I'm, I'm leaving drugs out of it. Let's just stick sure. to people who are not taking drugs, right? To, to look a certain way. And um, they, they, they have maybe a, one quote unquote cheat meal a month, maybe. And so now, When you, when you look at how they look and you're like, well, how do I want to look if you're not willing to, and and that, that is generally what it takes to look a certain way. Now, you, fortunately, you don't have to do that to look great. You don't have to look, do that to look fit, but if you want to look, let's say like a fitness cover model that's kind of how you have to live. There are exceptions, of course, but that's generally the rule. And so those are just a couple of examples of things that we have to work out for ourselves uh, internally before we'll be able to externally stick to a plan that is going to get the results that we want.
0: That's really important. I think as we begin to jumpstart the passion and the journey, consistency or persistency, and what are the things that people don't talk about? And oftentimes when you're a teenager, you look at it from the perspective of that, that that's gotta be easy. I wanna, I wanna impress the girls and hey, let's let's get this, let's get going. And the other side is there's a lot of chemicals out there that are promoted and some of which will really negate your overall health. They may make you look great on the outside, but on the inside, you're eroding. I always think back to a famous chiropractor, and Mike, you may be too young for this, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway, it's Jack lalane
1: I mean, of Are course I know who Jack lalane okay, is. Okay,
0: good. Yeah. <laughs> I could say it to the younger, much younger Gen Z. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, no, Yeah, no. no, I don't know who that is, but... <laughs> (laughs) here's a super intense individual who really didn't have the chemicals available, who wasn't even able to tell people he was a chiropractor in the past because it had its own connotations at that time. And he would very stealthy talk about the balance and the strength and what dieting and eating really looks like and how you can be the best version of you when you have the right information. And there's very few from, you know, 1930s up that didn't get the way they got based on some of the products they were taking. They weren't like the purists. And I think that's one of the things when you dive into training is what is the purest? And I, I would like to ask, as, as you refer to strength training, the, the one word you use, and I love the word is, it's the secret to optimizing your body composition. And I avoided it as a chiropractor for many years, because when I finished my upper body workouts, I would shake. And then when I would adjust a patient, my hands would shake and I'd laugh at myself. And I'm like, I did too much. And I, I pulled back on that and did more running, more aerobics. But then I started to hear and see and watch my patients flourish on the secret, which is the strength training part. So can you dive into how to couple strength training and also about the recovery process, because with strength training, as I just mentioned, you know, my hands are shaking and I'm doing a poor job of keeping it together throughout the day. What's the recovery process?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so first, this point of body composition is very important for a long time. Women in particular have been indoctrinated into weight, 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 weight. It's all weight and you weigh yourself, and you live and die by the number on the scale. And many women who come into, I would say, my world or my orbit, they'll have an idea of what their ideal weight, uh, what they think it is. And it's usually based on some previous time in their life when they looked a certain way, and their clothes fit uh, well, and they weighed a certain amount. So they just think that they need to get back to that weight. And what I... Uh, recommend in in really all of my books, but but um, certainly in my newest book, Muscle for Life, is that people get away from weight and start thinking about body composition which is what is your weight comprised of and specifically we're looking at muscle and fat we can ignore bones and organs and muscle or sorry water but let's look at muscle and fat because when we say that we want to lose weight well really what we want to do is lose fat and not muscle and if we say if guys in particular are usually the ones saying, I want to gain weight, what they're saying is I want to gain muscle and not fat. And so if we want to improve our body composition, and that really is the key, it's not a, you don't have to sell guys on gaining muscle. That that's why most guys are in the gym is they want to gain muscle. But uh, I, in working with thousands of, of women over the years, I know that many of them are a little bit hesitant to get into strength training, which, which is kind of equated to men, like training like men, because they don't want to get big. They don't want to get bulky. They want to look feminine. They want to look athletic. Um, they want to have curves. They don't want to be jacked, right? right. And, and, and so what is, what is interesting, though, is when um, when, when many women, when, when they pick a picture, if they say, yeah, this would be a nice look. And this is this is something within the realm of, of normalcy as well. I don't have to be neurotic about everything I eat. I can still enjoy my life and I can look great in a bikini. For For most women, that look, that athletic look, requires gaining probably about 15 pounds of muscle in the right places on their body and reducing their body fat percentage, which is the percentage of body weight that is fat, to probably around twenty percent. Twenty percent is going to is going to be more defined than say twenty five percent. Some women prefer that look though. They prefer twenty five percent because um, they they feel like they look a little bit more feminine. Um, their boobs are bigger usually, right. and there are things that and, and that's just a matter of personal preference, right? And and so when we start looking at body composition, then. What many women that I've worked with are are pleasantly surprised about is when they're on the other end of a transformation where you could see a before and after, and you would say, wow, that's, that's outstanding. Look at, she lost a lot of fat. She gained a lot of muscle definition, still looks feminine, but looks fit and athletic. Many times, almost always, those women weigh quite a bit more than they thought they would on the other end of a transformation like that, where in the beginning, if I would have told them, you're gonna weigh 140 pounds, I think, uh, when, when you're done and when you have the look you want. For example, they would say, no way, that's impossible, no way, I'm gonna weigh 120, no more than 120. Um, but, but that, that is uh, mostly a, a factor of, when you look at a pound of fat, uh, and you look at the volume in a pound of fat; it, it's it's quite a bit. It's almost like two handfuls or so is a pound of fat. But then you look at a pound of muscle; it's a lot denser, it takes up a lot less space. And so the the illusion, at least it's a mental illusion, is caused by the reduction of that body fat. So getting rid of uh, larger volumes of fat and replacing a lot of that weight with more dense muscle. And of course, there are many women who they'll lose weight, many men who will lose weight along the way, and their ideal body weight for their ideal body composition is lower than it is maybe when they started. Uh, But but there are, I can think of, I can remember hearing from quite a few women over the years whose weight didn't change much at all, especially women who start, maybe they would describe themselves as kind of skinny fat, where they're not overweight uh, they're not underweight, but they don't have any muscle definition, and um, their body fat is is a bit higher than average, but it's not to the point of obesity or overweight. They're just like a little bit too much body fat and a little bit too much muscle definition. That's how they would describe it, and and for those women, many times they will completely change their body composition, which changes how they look. It changes how their clothes fit, everything, and their weight hasn't changed at all, and. Uh, So, so that's, um, that's, that's really the reason why strength training is kind of the secret, because the only way to gain that muscle effectively is going to be with some sort of resistance training. You have to train your muscles running, won't do it. No no form of cardiovascular exercise will do it, um, unless it's kind of like resistance training just done very quickly as cardio, but that's not even the best way to go about that. Um, And the most effective way to gain that muscle is to gain strength. And of course, then that takes us to strength training, which is really just a a type of resistance training. It's a, it's a methodology uh, for, for training your muscles. And so that is one of the reasons why I promote it heavily. And then there are also a lot of health benefits as well. It, it it actually provides quite a few of the, of the same types of health benefits that we see with cardiovascular exercise. And ideally we would do both like in a perfect world, if we want to maximize our health and our well being and our longevity, we would do both, but, uh, we would, we would do more strength training than cardiovascular exercise, unless we really enjoy the cardiovascular exercise, which goes back to something I was talking about earlier, then it would make sense to rejigger things to make sure that we are, um, following a program that we really do enjoy. And so I'll stop there if you wanted to follow up with the question before I talk about recovery.
0: I was just going to say how important it is that so many have now heard for the first time that there is a secret here and that it hasn't been told. And a lot of women have been thinking, well, I'll just run three to five miles a day and I'll just keep moving. And they they don't see the results. And you are now looking at someone who is saying, well, I really want to be 120, but they finally get to the body that they really wanted. And they're at 140 and their whole reality has now been adjusted. So you just gave a huge secret away to this audience to be able to look at strength training as your best friend and someone, you definitely have room for multiple friends, but like you just said, Mike, I think is critical is if you're going to have one friend, make sure it's a strength It's a strength resistance friend and then bring in your aerobic cardio person because they, they too offer a lot of benefit. Now let's get deep into recovery because that's a key when you start strength training.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's really how we, how we gain muscle and strength. It's not in the gym that that's actually how we damage our muscles and uh, do the opposite. Uh, we we provide a stimulus and the, the process of muscle building begins, but without proper recovery, it can't complete. And so coming, coming to your example of your upper body workout, the first thing, if I were coaching you is I would look at what you were doing, because it sounds like maybe you were doing too much. And that is a, that's a common mistake that everybody, not uh, men and women make, um, especially if they're new. Um, and, and they have a lot of enthusiasm and they really want to get after it. And they want to, they want to get in the gym and they see everybody else doing these one hour, two hour workouts and, uh, you know, sweating buckets. And so then they try to do the same thing. And then, you know, they have extreme soreness for a week, for example, or, or longer that that's a sign of overdoing it. Um. And, and so that, that mostly comes down to programming, meaning it mostly comes down to how you set your training up and making sure that you're not going from doing zero strength training workouts per week to doing five intense strength training workouts per week that are appropriate for an experienced, uh, or even advanced weightlifter, right? Because um, anybody who, who has, maybe they haven't done strength training, but let's say if, if people are familiar with running or any sort of cardiovascular exercise and, and who have maybe treated it as training understands uh, how volume plays into this, right? You can't just go from no running to trying to run a half marathon. Like that, that's, how, that's how you end up in the hospital. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you have to start with a, a much lower amount of volume and you have to slowly work your volume up to being able to handle that amount of running strength training is no different. You have to start with an appropriate you have to start with something that's challenging, but it shouldn't be grueling. And, and that really actually is applicable to all levels, even advanced weightlifters, all they they can do more than a beginner. Their workouts still should be, most of their workouts should be challenging, but not grueling because grueling is, is usually where injuries can occur and where under recovery can occur. And that can be insidious because you might be able to get away with that for, I don't know, four, six, eight weeks, but over that time period, the fatigue is accumulating You are starting to feel worse. Your sleep is starting to get worse. Your workouts are starting to get worse. You're having less energy in your workouts. Your training weights are just feeling heavier and heavier. You're no longer making progress. And if you don't do something about it, then that can just continue to spiral downward. And that can also lead to injuries where if, if you under recover for too long and then you try to go push yourself and, you know, I've heard from people who have fallen into this trap and they just get frustrated with themselves. Why are they not able to, to, why are they stuck? Why are they plateaued? So then they try to go in and really crush a workout and then they end up getting hurt because they do something that was just too much. And so recovery fortunately is, is not complicated Uh, there is, there's the dietary side of things. So the amount of calories that you're eating matters. And I talk about why in the book and how to calibrate that based on your body composition goals and how that impacts recovery. A high protein diet is better than a low protein one in just about every meaningful way. And that's particularly true of people who are exercising uh, and certainly exercising at least a few hours per week, but really Even for people who are not exercising, I still would argue that a higher protein diet is going to be better if nothing else, just for retaining lean mass uh, as we get older. But of course, I would love for people to uh, do some resistance training, do some strength training and, and eat a high protein diet. Eating a lot of nutritious foods is important because of course that gives our body all of the, the building blocks that it needs to recover and to rebuild itself, getting enough sleep, very important. Mm -hmm. And, and then not doing too much exercise, very important. So I mentioned not doing too much strength training, but sometimes a mistake that people will make is they'll hear that it's, it's a good idea to be active every day, to exercise every day. Okay. I agree that it's, it's a good idea to move around every day. There there's no need to just sit on a couch all day. Um, even, even to recover, like maybe NFL athletes have to do that on a Monday, because they literally can't move because they're, you know, every they everything hurts so much that that's just what it takes uh, to to get back to even being able to like walk around. Understood. Uh, but for the rest of us, we 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 should. I think it's it is a good rule of thumb. Even if it's just going for uh, a good walk, uh, for example, we should be we should be active every day. But a mistake that, um, that some people make is they do some sort of vigorous type of workout every day. So they are either lifting weights or they're doing high intensity interval, like sprint training, or they're going for very long runs and they're not dialing down a little bit, one or two days per week. And so in muscle for life, for example, all of the programs are three days per week. So it's three strength training programs per week. And then if you want to add in some cardiovascular exercise, you can do that. But I do recommend that people take at least one or two days per week and, and you can be active, but no vigorous workouts of any kind. And that is mostly for the purpose of recovery, because uh, I would rather err on the side of people doing maybe a little bit less than they can recover from. Than the other way around i'd rather totally uh, I'd rather not risk that people doing actually a little bit more than they can recover from and not realizing it because the effects are insidious it is not immediately obvious and if you don't know what you're looking for um you can you can misdiagnose it uh, very easily as well once you have really um accumulated a lot of fatigue and you've been under recovering for a long time uh, you might end up, depending on who you talk to or what you read, you might end up thinking it's something else altogether, continue your routine, make it worse and so on.
0: Absolutely. And I think it also plays in recovery as to it demotivates when you start getting to that under recovery system and every day you're pushing through and you're trying to find bigger, better, badder movements and strength, it it starts to undermine your willpower when you start feeling sluggish when you get out of bed and every body part part starts to hurt. I'm I'm sure some of our NFL players we've had on adjusted reality will completely relate. Everybody, every part of my body actually really does hurt. And I'm going to sit on the couch for a while. The movement is critical. And as you talk about action, that's one of the pieces that this audience is really good about is they take action. They take steps towards self-improvement. Can you share with our listeners something that will help them take action today? They're listening to you. They're motivated. You just inspired them. You gave them secrets. You pumped them up. What is it that you're going to tell them to do? They always get homework and they know it that can take action today in regards to their health and wellness
1: buy all of my stuff of course
0: (laughs) good step step one
1: (laughs) that that, that's actually it uh uh, no no so um i'm a big i'm a big fan of the the tiny habits approach to to use bj fogg's term a book by the by the same name which is thinking about where you're at with your fitness right and where we want to be of course is we want to have the right habits firmly entrenched, right? We want to get to the point where it's harder to not stick to our workout routine than to deviate from it. It's harder to not stick to our diet plan than it is to deviate from it. And of course there will be deviations for one reason or another, but we're going back to the inner game, right? Where, when we go to bed at night, we know that unless life intervenes, we're going to do our workout tomorrow and we're going to enjoy our workout tomorrow. And we're going to eat the way that we need to eat to support our body composition and our health goals. And we're going to enjoy every meal. It's going to be food that we like. And, and so that should be the, the norm. Now, how do we go though, from where we're at, which let's say somebody is, is they haven't started at all, or maybe they've kind of started and they're doing a little bit here and there start, stop to, to how do we go from, from there to where we want to be and a mistake that many people make. And, and it's a, it's a well, well meaning mistake, but is, and I had mentioned this earlier is trying to just do too much, too fast, trying to go from, Let's just say zero strength training workouts per week, maybe a little bit of cardiovascular exercise here and there, a walk here and there, um, and diet could use a lot of work too. All right, I'm going to get in the gym five days a week. I'm going to do an hour per session. And then I'm going to do all this. uh, I'm going to do two hours of cardio per week. On top of that, I'm going to overhaul my diet. I'm going to get rid of all the stuff that I, I, I shouldn't be eating so much of and drinking so much of. Some people can do that. Uh, But for most people, what I've found is it's just too much, too fast uh, that, that within a couple of weeks, they're starting to lose motivation. Even if they're getting results, it's just, uh, they're not able to stick to everything. And then that makes them feel bad. So they intended to do five strength training workouts per week, and maybe they average two or three instead of understanding that going from zero to two or three is actually a big win. And with two or three strength training workouts per week, you can completely transform your body composition. It actually doesn't take more than that. If you were to say you want to step on stage and be a competitive bodybuilder, yeah, it takes more than that. But if that's not your goal, two or three strength training workouts per week is great. But instead of seeing it that way, they're comparing it to well i i told myself i was going to do 5 and that that can that can ruin motivation same thing on the dietary side of things instead of seeing that well actually they cut down on their soda intake maybe they even replaced it altogether they're eating less fast food they're eating a bit more protein they're eating an extra serving or two of fruits or vegetables every day those are all big improvements but when they're compared to yeah well, I had this meal plan though. And it said that I was supposed to eat these foods every day. And I ate a bit too much of the chocolate and I didn't really want to eat. Again, it can, it can demotivate. So instead of making that mistake, I recommend going in the other direction and starting with something that feels, and coming back to the inner game, feels like You can't where you get very little internal resistance, where there's very little friction, where you immediately feel like, yeah, I can do that. That's not a problem, right? And so for some people, that is all right. Let's go for a thirty-minute walk every day. Let's just go outside and go for a walk, maybe with dogs like like mine who keep barking, Um, or or if no animals, just go out for a walk. Maybe put on a podcast. Maybe um, if you have to do work calls, or if if you have personal calls, just people you like to stay in touch with. Maybe you can do that while you're walking or not just, just be present for your environment, whatever you like to do. What about that? Can we start there? And if somebody were to say, yeah, no problem. I got that. I'd say, okay, cool. Let's start there. And, and, and if they feel up to taking on something with their diet, I would say, it would depend, but maybe I'd say, all right, can we replace maybe something that you're eating every day that is is very indulgent? Can we play? Can we replace that with something a little bit lower calorie, like that, you know, 900 calorie frappuccino that you have every morning? Can we turn that into a latte or a cappuccino or um, or an americano if you like that? Yeah, we can start there. All right, great. Let's start there, and then let's do that. Let's do that for a couple of weeks, and once those changes are now just part of the the new normal, so to speak. Let's look at what else we can do. Can we start now, if we're gonna, if we're gonna talk about resistance training, it might make sense to get into gym and start doing some stuff there, but it might make sense to just start with some body weight, like in muscle for life, the beginner program is intentionally all body weight. And then it also introduces some band work as well. So this is stuff that people can just do at home. It requires no equipment other than some big rubber bands that you can buy for like $20. And then I would say, can we start with one full body strength training workout at home per week in addition to the walking? Great. Let's do that. And and then on the dietary side of things, all right, can we increase your protein intake? Can we, can we take some of these meals, maybe take a little bit of the carbs out or the fats out and replace those calories with some protein? All right, great. Let's do that. And by approaching it that way in time, we get to the very ambitious uh, a- outcome that we wanted in the beginning, but we do it in a way that uh, is, is a lot more enjoyable and a lot more successful. It just works better that way.
0: Mike, you said something in this whole action plan, the homework that everyone who's listening says, okay, I get, I get what he just said, making an intelligent choice and i refer back to a very intelligent individual albert einstein that says the measure of intelligence is the ability to change and what mike is saying is that the change has to be gradual consistent and then enter into the persistence stage because it is amazing isn't it mike when you watch some of the people that you have worked with over the years see the change and it was gradual and it was beautiful and it was strong and they kept up with it their motivation was there and they didn't feel like their life was turned upside down and they became disgruntled or dissatisfied with their ability to stick with it because it was gradual and the intelligent measure was that they were able to change but they did it in a way that didn't disrupt everything in their life and it was easy Er, than, Hey, I'm going to just throw out every single high calorie and, you know, get into the cardiovascular. Like you just said, you know, the, the thing that, that I am guilty of, I went in full bore. Let's, let's buff up, <laughs> let's get this yep. done. And the audience will recognize now that it is all about you digging deep. And Mike, I really appreciate you coming on our podcast today. I know you've got another book in you, I hope. And I love to do this to people, put them on the spot and say, when that next book drops, Mike, will you be back with Adjusted Reality to share more intellectual value with our podcast listeners?
1: Yeah, I would love to.
0: Outstanding. All right. You heard it here. He will be coming back. In the meantime, I want my audience to really start to think about what it's going to take to make those gradual important next steps. I want to thank you so much today, Mike, for being the passion meets purpose Um, and scientific evidence that really does make a difference is you're getting with Mike where you don't get with anyone else is that you're getting the science behind the why. Why am I doing it? How is it important? What is it going to impact? So Mike, you made amazing difference in many, many people's lives. Continue touching them as you have done with our audience. And I hope to have you back. So thanks so much for having your talent and wisdom on our podcast today
1: yes thank you lots more to come
0: outstanding i want to thank you for tuning in to adjusted reality as we spoke to mike matthews about the importance of health and wellness at any age how to conquer the mental game of fitness and how to optimize your body composition while you strength train and the importance of recovery this podcast was brought to you by the Foundation for Chiropractic Progress as a special gift for listening today. You can visit f4cp.org health to get a copy of our Mind, Body, Spirit ebook, which focuses on many ways to optimize your health and the ones you love without the use of drugs or surgery. Please don't forget to subscribe, share this podcast with family and friends, great and review. And if you're feeling so inspired to learn more about chiropractic or to find a doctor of chiropractic near you, please visit f4cp.org slash find a doctor. We appreciate your support and look forward to checking in with you again soon.